Happy Monday, everyone, and welcome into another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. Fresh off a sweep of the Astros against the Braves, and I very well deserve that. And if you're like, what are you guys talking about? That's a good time to sign up for Go 24-7. Get in on the VIP boards and make sure to join the fun conversation. We got myself, Bryce Kuhn, Glenn West, Dylan Sanders, Coming off the spring game, Glenn and Dylan were in attendance, which I think Dylan shot this in our group text. Probably the best weather that you're going to see. I don't know, Dylan. I've never lived in Louisiana. I'm moving down there, but from what I could tell, both of you guys were were enjoying what was like 77, 78, no little to no humidity out there. So a good environment, good atmosphere uh, for the spring game. There was was no point where I was miserable from one extreme or the other. So that's all you can really hope for. That's all. That's all you can hope for. Well, it was a spring game that uh, I was watching from home, and the broadcasters, Mike Morgan and Aaron Murray, were talking about it, and they were pleased with the format. And, Glenn, I know that was one thing that we had kind of wondered, what is this going to look like? I uh, wanted to kind of get your, you know, we'll say the 30,000-foot the view here on, on this. For all the talk about, you know, is the offensive line going to be healthy enough to really put together a quality spring game? I walked away from it feeling like, hey, that was as best competition as you could have put out there. What were your thoughts on kind of the format of the spring game, and uh, what do you think the guys really got out of it? Yeah, I mean, I think it was probably about what we'd expected going in. Um, we weren't going to get a true purple versus gold game just because they didn't have enough numbers to really make two teams uh, a viable option. So, um, you know, they started out with some some – you know, some special teams work, some uh, red zone work. They did a little bit of warming up to start off. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was it was good to see kind of uh, a few situational things. You know, they they started they, – they did a couple red zone series there with both Daniels and Nussmeyer in the game. Um, you know, where I think they score – I think the offense was able to score touchdowns on at least two or three of those uh, kind of red zone opportunities. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a really productive – kind of format I think you know once you got into the scrimmage those guys were pretty warmed up and um, had the juices flowing a little bit and so uh, you certainly got that from that from the very first play with the the Kyron Lacey 70 yard catch and run Um, you know that's just kind of the stuff that I think uh, was missing from this offense last year at times you know they didn't have a ton of explosive uh, you know plays and uh, that 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 kind of I think ignited what was to come for the offense, especially the first team offense, whether it was Jaden Daniels uh, or Garrett Nussmeyer in there, uh, both very efficient days for, for the two quarterbacks. I think if you leave that scrimmage, you're, you're looking at, okay, LSU's got two, two dudes here that could, could certainly contribute and make uh, LSU a very much a, a, you know, a competitor in the SEC next year. Um, you know, I think probably the, the one, takeaway that I had that maybe not as great uh, for LSU is the secondary looks like it's just Mm going to take some time. Um, uh, Defensive backs were uh, missing tackles, blowing assignments. Um, That was kind of something that was a theme a couple years ago in the final years of, of, at Orgeron and uh, seemed to really be kind of uh, fixed last year. I think in large part because you had so many veteran players who would, had experience in playing in the college level and they were able to pick things up pretty quickly. But um, this is a really young DB room as a whole. I mean, you've got Greg Brooks and Major Burns back there at safety who are a few veteran guys. But, um, 
you know, this, this is still a really young room that doesn't have a ton of experience yet. Uh, it's going to take some time for those guys to gel. And it was one of the things we talked about last week heading into the game is, is what that was going to look like in the mm-hmm. secondary, how those guys were going to be able to hold up against uh, Malik Neighbors, against Brian Thomas, against Kyron Lacey. Uh, and and those, those weapons had their day. I think they, they, they did a really nice job offensively of moving the ball down the field. Kind of what I expected coming in uh, was was the first team offense was going to dominate. Um, you know, special teams wasn't great. Uh, they missed a couple field goal kicks, and uh, certainly Brian Kelly uh, talked after the game about how that position is still wide open here. Is uh, who wants to win that job between Damian Ramos and Nathan Dybert? Uh, that's going to be something that carries well into the fall. And so um, those are probably just a few quick snap judgment takeaways that I have. We can dive into a little bit more. But um, I think overall it was a great format, and um, they were able to get enough out of it to where you could certainly see why this this offense is going to be so uh, heralded come fall. Yeah, and let's talk about the secondary because I think that's the part where we talked, and I can't remember who mentioned it, last week but it's it's going to be a it was going to be a vanilla look necessarily they're not going to put everything out on tape defensively so I wanted to pose this to you guys and Dylan we'll start with you on this the secondary should we be super concerned is this a case of just young guys trying to get in some more uh you know playing time and and young guys I should say and guys that are more new to the program I know that was the case last year or is it the fact that they just were running some vanilla looks and the, and the offense was being a little bit more creative and you can only do so much? I mean, Dylan, what would you say? Is it on the, the concern meter, one of ten, where do you sit with the secondary uh, here on the Monday after the spring game? Um, I'm sitting flat at a, at a five, I think. Five mm-hmm. out of ten in terms of I – mean, maybe that's even a little too high. I mean, listen, you have – Seven of eight corners uh, on the uh, scholarship corners are brand new to the team. Uh, the secondary has to learn to how to play with each other. That uh, communication is really important in the secondary. And you've mentioned it; they were running some vanilla stuff. So, but you can't. You also still need to learn how to communicate with each other in the middle of a game, in the middle of mm-hmm. game situations. Um, that's a that's a huge part of it. The uh, so it's kind of like building a rapport with each other, learning the defense. Everyone's still doing it at the same time. They're all really young, not a ton of experience. Uh, so that's where a little bit of the concern like creeps in. Of, I mean, they haven't really done it before, so how mm-hmm. do we know that they're going to be able to get ready? Um, but also, they're young, so they have a lot of time, and they have a lot of time to get ready and, and tighten up. And, you know, players like... Dimfer Harris had uh, so, some highlights. Zai Alexander had had some highlights. LaTerrence Welsh, I think, was the most uh, consistent uh, mm-hmm. in the quarterback room. If anything, it's a little bit more concerning about the sa- uh, about the safety room because uh, that was where they really had some lapses. Um, I mean, both both have started off with seventy yard seventy yard catches uh, that were mainly. Uh, done after the catch so whenever you had that you definitely had a breakdown in the second level some guys in the wrong spots um and then landon ivietta was just faster than everybody uh and kind of just outran them which is still a little bit of an issue like they they weren't in position to be able to stop the deep threat you know um Mm -hmm. but overall i think it's more so of a case 
than uh, of them being new and them being young than their bad players. Uh, yeah. So uh, that's not that's not where my worry is. I'm like I'm not I'm not worried that LSU went out and got a bunch of players who won't be able to play in the SEC this year. It's it's just getting them ready to play. Um, yeah. And this is the team that you're going to, this is kind of the core that you're going to see for the next two and three years. So getting them ready now, it, it's this, this is the Brian Kelly's plan of building out a young group of cornerbacks and then growing them over time. So this is the early, early stage of that. There's going to be some growing pains. Yeah. Glenn, did you, I mean, obviously tackling is one of those things. It doesn't matter if you're new or not. Uh, you have to be sound on tackling, and that's something that has to be fixed. But kind of where do you sit on, on the panic meter if we had to it had to rate there? I mean, I know Dylan kind of went in depth there with it, but where do you kind of sit and what are your takeaways a little more in depth on that situation? Yeah, not, I mean, not very high, probably like a three or a four. I mean, uh, it, it's it was one of those things where LSU was subbing in a lot of guys too. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they were mixing and matching players throughout the entire game, um, trying to really pick and – see who who kind of plays well off of one another that's going to be something that'll probably uh take well into the off season well into the fall to figure out and so um i'm not i'm not overly concerned i do think some of the tackling issues um are a little bit concerning just because that's a an element of the game that really doesn't take a lot of like connective cohesion you know you you you, you're either a good tackler you're not a good tackler and um we've we've seen it from greg brooks he he whiffed on one and uh, i'm not really concerned about that as much but um certainly you want to see those guys uh start to gel a little bit further uh together as the offseason progresses and i think they will And, and coach kelly said after the game that um it wasn't a situation where they don't have guys they don't feel can play at this level it's more about getting them to that level uh, together and, and being able to to really play off of one another and make this uh, a pretty lethal defense because they, they do have talented players and they do have guys that I think can help contribute and make plays and um, you know be be a positive effect for the for for, for their defense moving forward. I mean, Let's yeah, Brian Kelly Brian Kelly said it uh, said it best where he, he mentioned I think first whenever he was talking about getting him ready it was in terms of the weight room. Uh, yeah, and getting getting guys bulked up, and the strength and conditioning staff has done really good with a lot of players on this team. So having them progress until the fall camp, I think you'll see some transformations as well. Mm. Yeah, that would be huge. As we move up to the front seven, let's take a look. I mean, obviously, a lot of the conversations surrounded with Harold Perkins, and you know, we're excited to see number four. And look, I mean, the kid's going to be good. I, I don't think that's breaking news to anybody. <laughs> this kid's going to be really good. Uh, but I know I put in kind of some, one of my game balls, and wanted to get your takes on this, guys. Is but kind of the the rotation of the jack position of the defensive line. Uh, you know, Braden Swenson, uh, he looked the part a couple of times. The pressure that a lot of these guys. Um, I, OVO, I'm going to call him OVO, but Jackson Howard was a guy that really surprised me in the physical attributes that he brings to the table as an 18, 19-year-old. I mean, this kid looks the part of an SEC player, so I want to get your thoughts, and Glenn, we'll, we'll start with you on this. I mean, those that was one of the biggest positional concerns coming into this season, and I think if you're an LSU fan, at least from my perspective, you can say, hey, you know, I left saying – while we may not know a ton, we feel like we got a couple viable options in that room that can rotate and provide a pretty good impact. 
Yeah, I mean, look, I thought uh, Agofu was really solid um, from that jack spot. Braden Swinson's probably a little bit more athletic than I thought, um, kind of heading into this uh, this spring. And uh, but but yeah, I mean, I, I was right there with you with Jackson Howard. I thought he was really really solid. Um, you know, he's a really legit five uh, six five six six uh, kind of edge edge rusher uh, who I think is is really gonna. Be a be a big presence for LSU next year. Um, he he he's somebody that I, that took advantage of kind of being a little bit, uh, I guess, lacking in depth on the D line mm-hmm. uh, this spring. And um, he was the guy that I think uh, Brian Kelly even pointed out last week before we even got to the spring game that he probably wouldn't have these opportunities if LSU was at full strength. And so. Um, it's good to see that young freshmen like that are taking advantage of those opportunities and kind of making good first impressions on the coaching staff. And because um, that's when everybody's together next fall, um, that those are the guys that the coaching staff will remember. Those are the guys mm-hmm. that, you know, will will have those first reps and, and see if they can't build off of what they, they, they started here in the spring. Um, but I, I think that there were a number of guys that stood out, obviously, Harold and, and and his defensive pressure is going to be really important for this team. Um, liked how they utilized him. He's he's going to be able. He's going to be coming at you from all angles, and that's going to be kind of the next step of evolution for him. Um, I, I really thought Quincy Wiggins had a nice day. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, he he's 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 going to play on that that edge spot with you know with with Jones with Savion Jones and a couple other guys um, once healthy, and I think that's. That's going to be real important to, to get him involved this year because he, I mean, he was the number one player in Louisiana last year. Was a little bit banged up during his true freshman year. Didn't have a, you know, a whole lot of on-field opportunities. But uh, every time we asked about him last fall, you know, Coach Kelly and and players and coaches alike all said that he was making massive improvements as the season went along. And so um, to see him kind of capitalize as well was really, uh, you know, positive to see. Um, Fitzgerald West on the interior um, was a guy that that stood out with the second team. Um, you know, I, I don't know what to expect, honestly, because we don't have Mason Smith or Makai Wingo. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a couple of guys on our board that were a little bit, um, you know, hesitant to say that, you know, they think that maybe the rush, the, 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 the run game will be uh, not as great this year. Um, and then I, I was kind of quick to point out that, you, you don't have Mason Smith or Mackay Wingo in there yeah. yet, so let's just let's pump the brakes on that uh, until until we get to see them out there in full action. So uh, until this D line gets at full strength, it's going to be hard to make any kind of sweeping declarations about this group. But uh, I think the fact that you were able to get some of those guys lower on the depth chart, a uh, real solid look in the spring and certainly in the spring game, uh, was a real benefit for LSU. Yeah, you want to see him take advantage of the opportunity rather than have the lack of depth and have nobody really stepping up. So that's huge. Dylan, more specifically on Harold Perkins, I mean, look, Glenn said he's coming at you from tons of different angles. I mean, if the rest of this defense can step up, and this is a little forward thinking, obviously, but the rest of the defense, even, you know, Braden Swenson, uh, Jackson Howard, any of these guys produce from that jack position and then you're starting to move around Harold Perkins on let's just say a third and long I mean that's got to that it has this potential set up to be a nightmare for an opposing offense and so I mean how excited should fans be to see the utilization of Harold Perkins this year and the jump he can make from year one to year two which is with how great of a freshman year he had that's kind of scary to think about uh the scariest I think the scariest thing from the 
uh, spring game was that Harold Perkins, while maintaining his freak speed, looked 10 times stronger <laughs> in terms of mm. disengaging from blockers. I mean, he destroyed Trey Holly. I mean, poor yeah. freshman. Welcome, <laughs> welcome, to, welcome to the team, kid. Uh, he got down, he got destroyed uh, on a play that ended Harold Perkins with a half sack. But it wasn't even just him. It was uh, disengaging from offensive linemen. Like, he just looks stronger. And you can tell he's been in the weight room. You can tell he's been working. But he also moves like the flash. It's seriously one of the craziest and most intimidating physical people I've ever seen. Uh, it, it's fun. It's it's just so much fun to watch. And then while, you know, I don't think any of these players are going to, you know, be to the level of maybe BJ Ojalari last year, this front seven has a potential to be better than a group that was, you know, the highlight of the defense a lot of the time last mm. season. Um, just in terms of depth, they it seems like they have more guys to go uh, this year than last year. I mean, they have they're able to move some defensive linemen to offensive line, so um, they just have a lot of a lot of players. And we need to mention, you know, like Paris Shand ended up with a yeah. sack. Uh, so some of the uh, new interior defensive linemen looked good, and whatever you know, a guy yeah, Princeton Malbrew. Yeah, um, and then you're, you're – I mean, you're missing still guys like Mason Smith and um, and uh, Greg Greg Penn wasn't able to play. So whenever you add in those guys, it's going to be even crazier. Like, it, it yeah. this could be a really, really, really good front seven. One Deshaun of the Womack. better in the SEC. Yeah, Deshaun yeah. Womack. Like, you've got – uh, you've got a lot of potential and you've got a lot of really good young guys, like you mentioned, Jackson Howard, to where kind of similar to the secondary, they're planting the seed in terms of building up the depth in the future. Um, so it's really encouraging to see the young guys already start to, you know, show some potential mm-hmm. um, because it, it's kind of, we're kind of seeing the vision of Brian Kelly's future LSU team already. Um, while still looking like a team that's ready to compete this season. Yeah, it's exciting. And I think like what you said too, collectively this unit has the potential to be even better. And obviously Harold Perkins is going to be a big uh, a big part of I mean, it. Let's Harold go Perkins over. is going to be one of the best players He's in the country. It's insane. Yeah, no breaking news there. Uh, let's switch over to the offensive side of the football where a poor choice, poor choice – Poor choice of words on my part in the article uh, saying both quarterbacks had their moments. And I meant that as they both flashed, uh, you know, really well. And I think they played solid. Garrett Nussmeyer and Jane Daniels. Look, Ricky Collins, Glenn, I thought it was interesting that they took the uh, the red jersey or the whatever color jersey off and said, hey, you're going to take some licks, kid. And I think that was interesting because you don't see a lot of teams do that, but there's no better welcome to the SEC, no better welcome to LSU and saying, hey, we're going to let you get hit in the spring game. But for Garrett Nussmeyer and Jane Daniels, I mean, look, they both showed, I think, the creativity that you wanted to see in certain things. Yeah, there's some still some things they want to continue to work on. But, Glenn, where do you sit on this and uh, – be more careful than I was with my choice of words uh, in, in this analysis. Yeah, I mean, look, I think both were really good, and I kind of prefaced this in our opening kind of remarks there that I think if you walked out of that game or if you watched it and you kind of sat back and thought about it for maybe two seconds, uh, you'd, you'd realize that LSU's got just two really good options at quarterback. Yeah. I mean, guys that you, you think are going to be able to not only – 
help you compete in this conference, but win this conference again or, and win the SEC West again. And, um, yeah, I mean, look, I think, you know, look, the, the, the biggest thing here is how do you integrate Nussmeyer into this offense a little bit more? Um, I, I don't know the answer to that question. I, I think he's a guy that uh, needs to have the ball in his hands this year a little bit more. I just I think what he brings to this offense is really, really good um, and his ability to – throw guys open to, I mean, you saw it, you, you saw it on the, the big plate of to Brian Thomas hits him in mm-hmm. stride, a 50 yard pass that just right on the numbers. Um, and, and was and Thomas was able to come down with the catch. Um, I'm not saying Jaden Daniels can't do that. I think he has shown that he can, uh, and that he will make, take some more of those shots. Um, but I, I do want to see Nussmeyer out there again in the fall, getting serious first team reps. I mean, He's going to be the future of this program for sure after Daniels leaves this year. Um, and he's a guy that I think a lot of people are excited to see get more opportunities this fall because of how he finished last year. Um, and I still don't think, I mean, you know, it, Kelly kind of walked it back immediately after the, the, the bowl game earlier this year. But I, I don't think it was a coincidence that Nussmeyer got as many reps as he did in that game. That was a strategized plan to see what they had in both of those guys playing in the same game um, in, in, in those high leverage moments in the first half. And yeah, they, they both responded. Jaden had some really good drives in the first um, first half in that game. Uh, Nussmeyer did too. And you, you see that carry on here into the spring. It doesn't matter if it's Daniels behind center or Nussmeyer behind center. Both of those guys uh, moved the offense really well. I thought Jaden from his perspective, um, was a lot more aggressive in taking those shots. They took a couple of them down the field. Uh, he connected on a few. He missed, I think, one or two as well. Um, but the fact that they're imprinting that onto his brain and that he seems to be taking that uh, and really running with it, I think, is extremely important here for LSU uh, heading into the heading into the summer months, where they can now really dive into uh, just just how they want to operate and how they how they can continue building chemistry with Malik Neighbors, with Brian Thomas, with uh, with obviously with Kyron Lacey in the game that he had. Um, just a really important kind of uh, day for those guys. And, and, and I think that you've, you, you're able to spread it out. Chris Hilton's another guy that they got vertically involved as well. Um, you know, they're, they're going to have a lot of options available to them next, next year. And the fact that you're seeing Jaden comfortable enough taking those shots and that he's been really – I mean, he was really efficient. Ten of eleven for 168 yards uh, is no joke. I mean, that that was you know a really solid day for him. And uh, I think if you're an LSU fan walking out of that that game, you're you're feeling real confident about your quarterback situation next year. Yeah, it's a good problem to have. And and I want to say too, I think there's a lot of programs that would kill to be in the situation that LSU is in. They have two guys. Uh, like you said, Glenn, that are more than capable, it feels like, of leading this team uh, to the top of the SEC West and a trip back to Atlanta and, you know, whatever happens from there. I think that um, it's going to be interesting to see how Nussmeyer has worked into the offense because, Glenn, I, I wasn't around last year. I don't know what Nussmeyer looked like last spring, you know, but I think it's one of those things, and it's safe to say, is this kid's taking a step to where – he could start. Like if Jaden Daniels wasn't here, there'd be no hesitation in him being uh, the number one guy. And 
So that'll be something kind of interesting to monitor, uh, you know, throughout the summer into fall camp when these guys come back together and what these guys look like. Uh, last question we're going to pose here, and I'll give you one position each on this. Uh, obviously, the transfer portal is open to open back on April 15th. Uh, guys, can there are already some moves made across the country. Uh, but with LSU concluding the spring game, uh, Dylan, we'll go to you first on this. What is one position that maybe you want to see LSU just take a look at? What where they could maybe add some talent uh, on on the roster? Um, I mean, I feel like the most obvious one is kicker. Um, that I mean, just neither of the guys um, instill a ton of confidence. Hmm. Um, uh, and, and you know that can, that can that can be working, but I mean, it's still going back. I mean, this is year two now of. Not whenever you see one of those guys walk up, like you're just not like, oh well, yeah, they'll make this. You're like, even on an extra point, you're like, oh well, have this. You can't go to the bathroom uh, during an extra point uh, with the guy who's, you know, with the guys who's on roster now. So I mean, maybe continuing to look there if there's any names that maybe are a little bit intriguing. Um, Mm -hmm. It's one of the positions that where you you can continue to add super late and still add uh like contenders um but maybe something a little bit more uh more interesting just adding depth to the offensive line if there's any other guys available there i mean that's still something that's very obviously needed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. glenn for you i mean what are what's a position maybe that you think that they look at or i'm sure they already have a big board of some guys that are in the portal right now where do you think that they look uh, as this portal window gets to the end uh, of closing, uh, it's it's interesting you mentioned kicker, Dylan. I hadn't really thought of that one. I just I just don't know if there are a lot of two, you know, kind of position battle options there where there's two really good options and guys one guy might enter the portal at this latest stage. Um, but that that's one to certainly consider because I'm right there with you. I don't think that that much that Ramos or Dybert has done much to really instill a lot of confidence. I mean, they were very hesitant last year with, with, with Ramos in there um, on how what they were willing to let him do uh, as, as a place kicker. So mm-hmm. that, that could certainly be an option. Um, I, I lean more towards safety. I think that's probably a guy, a, a, you know, if a veteran guy that can come in and maybe help you with some depth, be able to rotate in a little bit. Um, if you can find a, a guy who's played a little bit in, in college, uh, to help back up Greg Brooks and, and Major Burns, I think that's probably where I'm leaning towards just because, I mean, uh, Major's had some really bad injury luck ever since he got here, and it's really kind of carried over throughout his entire college career. Um, and, you know, look, JV and Toviano, I thought he looked solid. I thought he looked good. He very well might be ready to step into a, a starting role at safety. But if you have another guy in there um, who's played a little bit in college, uh, has has some experience. Uh, I think you feel a lot more comfortable with your situation heading into the fall uh, if you're able to go in and get a guy like that. I, I would also add running back in there just because I don't think we know uh, what John Emery's situation will end up being. I think it's you know it's just kind of been the same old same old with that and mm-hmm. whole thing, and you just don't know if you're going to be able to count on him being there in the fall. And so you know Armani Goodwin's a guy who has injury history. Uh, Noah Kane has injury history from Penn State. Uh, Josh Williams is coming off an injury. Um, so, I mean, if you lose even one or two of those guys, you're, you're looking at, you know, Trey Holly and, and 
Caleb Jackson's also coming off an injury. So, yeah. I mean, there's just a lot of guys there that have been banged up and have injury histories that are not all that great. And so I know you look at it from, you know, uh, a bird's eye view and you say, oh, they got six guys in there. That's going to be really good for them to be able to rotate in. But it, it's also one that has a lot of injuries with it as well. And so if you lose a couple of those guys, you're, you're going to be in a really tough spot in, in the fall. And uh, one of the points that Brian Kelly made that I thought was really uh, more potent after the game is that he's going into the season knowing that they're going to lose a couple key guys at, at certain mm-hmm. positions. Like that's just kind of the nature of college football these days. Guys get hurt. You're not able to get them back. Um, it's where those injuries occur and, um, you know, how, how significant of time they missed is, is, is kind of what sometimes dictates the season and, and dictates you from, uh, you know, losing one game or two games or three games or winning or winning them all. So um, it, it, it's, it's going to be interesting that LSU finds the right depth pieces in the portal here in the second transfer window. And uh, no doubt they're already looking at some guys. We don't have a, a list or, or any names yet, but I'm sure those will start to surface here in the next uh, several days, weeks, um, and, and see just kind of what, uh, what kind of ends up happening there. It's going to be interesting to see this next portal opening. Obviously, teams kind of finishing up a lot of spring games this past Saturday alongside LSU, and then obviously the week before uh, spring ball continues to conclude. And teams look to kind of fill out the roster because I like what you said, Glenn. Uh, you don't know when these injuries are going to occur, but you're bound to have a couple that you can't get back, and the timing and, and the severity of those uh, could pay dividends. You want to try to kind of backload uh, your roster right now and, and provide quality depth. Well, hey, thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the Good 24-7 Podcast. Spring football coverage was a blast, and we're going to continue to cover uh, baseball, which we got to get a baseball pod here soon because a big-time Sunday win against Ole Miss. That was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, and uh, the Rebels go down to the Tigers. LSU's just cruising along, Glenn. I mean, it kind of feels like one of these teams that, you know, you just want to peak at the right time. And, and we're going to talk about that, obviously, maybe in the next week or so. But uh, LSU baseball is really fun to watch. And um, I would say the hottest ticket in town right now if you're in Baton Rouge for sure. So continuing to talk about that as we get closer to Hoover and then we get closer to what is hopefully a trip to Omaha for LSU baseball. This has been the Go 24-7 Podcast, joined by Dylan Sanders, Glenn West. My name is Bryce Coon. We thank you so much for watching. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit us up on social media. You see all of our Twitter there. And Go 24-7. Make sure to subscribe. Get on the boards for some fun conversation. And you can make fun of me for saying that the Braves were going to sweep the Astros and the Astros dispatched of Atlanta on their way back home. We'll see you next time here on the Go 24-7 Podcast.